0: Hi, this is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats
2: Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Sandra Winka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Yannick Noah. Hi, this is June King. And her son Peter from Wimbledon. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to the, the Tennis, tennis pod- Podcast. <laughs>
3: Well, thanks very much to June and son Peter for that lovely intro and for the length that we're gone to in order to record said intro, because uh, I understand that social distancing uh, guidelines were observed throughout that recording. Uh, So I assume some sort of throwing of recording device happened in that split second in between hearing June's voice and Peter's voice. So bravo, June and Peter, and thank you very much for your support and that lovely intro. um, I hope you're pleased to have had your intro used on a very significant week for tennis and the tennis podcast because tennis is back We've bounced back. We're not reliving anything this episode, David. We're just living in the sweet, sweet moment of Palermo and Fiona Ferro up against Annette Contevate. Tennis is bouncing. Yeah, it, it does
4: feel properly like real tennis now because this is the first time we've reviewed a tennis tournament and previewed another one with pre-tournament press conferences going on everywhere that we've been able to listen across to and and chat amongst ourselves about people and look at draws i mean actually looking at draws is is suddenly such a thrill it feels so so exotic
3: one of my lockdown uh, tasks was to organize my phone apps into really helpful folders uh and I completely forgot which folder I put my ATP WTA scores app in. It took me quite a long time to hunt around to find that. Mine seemed to shut itself down, given that it hadn't been used for five <laughs> months. I had to reload it onto my phone. <laughs> Just a bit of rust. Mm. It was glorious to see tournaments pop up in it, though, wasn't it?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, that's such a defining feature of tennis happening, the ATP WTA app being full um, I've kind of forgotten how to preview tennis. The, um,
3: because the, <laughs> Great. Stay tuned, folks.
2: <laughs> because the WTA always send out, you know, prior to every tournament, they send out, you know, match notes, really helpful stuff and stats. And it kind of all feels quite irrelevant at the moment because, you know, the kind of, it doesn't really matter who's won the most titles this year already. There's, the, yeah. like, there's no such thing as form at the moment. And it's all... It's all really unknown like what what are the factors going to be
4: with how players perform
3: Yeah I mean, Fiona Farrow is going to be like the new sort of de facto world number one.
4: Yeah, suddenly she feels like the greatest player of all time <laughs> to me because she's 6-2-3 all against the net contervator. And I, and I did find myself looking up Fiona Farrow before this podcast to work out what she'd done before it to see if there was any sign of this having, you know, coming about six months ago.
3: <laughs> Matt Matt thinks so.
4: I mean, I've gone through her exhibition
2: results. She's unbeaten. No, you she's haven't. She's unbeaten in exhibition tennis during the lockdown she won 10 matches what
3: exhibition tennis has she been she playing won 10
2: matches arranged by the um, fft and um yeah she played and won them all and she's carried this form into palermo i mean i'm getting i'm getting carried away with you know i'm, well, I'm sort maybe, of grasping I mean, for form because that's the only thing i can well, go well given on. that
3: you've well exactly so maybe we should be looking at the players who have played a lot of exhibition yeah tennis in this period you know for people that are shortly going to be having to make predictions Maybe that's something to um, a life raft to cling to. We
2: have already made predictions, and they've gone incredibly Mm, bad. They became
3: irrelevant. They became irrelevant very, very quickly. Mm. Um, No, nobody was picking Fiona Ferro now, were they?
4: It is going to be interesting, though, isn't it? To chart the the few players that have played a lot of matches over the last, and actually there are quite a few players because if you think of all the exhibitions that have gone around on all around the world and. Some of them have been publicised, some of them have been televised, some of them we've talked about. Others have kind of gone by without really being noticed, but a lot of players have played a lot of tennis, and then some have hardly played any at all, and it just will be interesting to see whether that has any impact at all.
3: Yeah, and in terms of the tennis that's upcoming next week, uh, uh, we've got two events on the WTA tour. We've got the Clay Court event in Prague, um, which is kind of headlined. The top seed there is Simona Halep. And then we've got this brand new event uh, in Lexington, Kentucky, which is the first WTA event in the United States since last year's US Open, uh, being headlined by... Serena Williams um and uh, plenty of other notable players Venus Williams Victoria Azarenka Coco Goff um Joe Conters there it's a really interesting field unfortunately it is called the top seed open by Bluegrass Orthopedics <laughs> and uh, I was in the uh, the prime video studios today for rehearsals and um I requested assurances that I wouldn't have to give the full uh full event title on too many an occasion and if i do have to say it a lot i want to be getting some free orthopedics in the post whatever they may be and some top seeds <laughs> and some top seeds i mean if serena williams the top seed doesn't win the top seed open that's a it's a bad look isn't it
4: the, the top seed
3: has got to win the top <laughs> seed open
4: it's a good headline though top seed has gone out of the top seed open in the first round
3: yeah how much mileage do you think i can can get out of that gag next week tune in to find out <laughs> <laughs> prime video from 3 three twenty pm uk time on monday um so yeah there's a real smattering a real mixture in both those draws of players that it feels like we've seen a lot of and heard a lot from during this lockdown period and players that it feels like kind of disappeared off the face of the planet and you sort of vaguely forgot they existed
2: yes it's a little bit like picking up a book that you were reading nine months ago and you're having to sort of re yourself with the plot and the characters who's this again what do they do except the difference is a book doesn't change when you pick it up from nine months everything's the same i feel like this you know the five month break we've had will be having an impact on results um so it's just it's just really difficult to tell and I feel like no no results at all are going to really be that surprising. I think if if the top players do well, you can put that down to oh, they're the better players, of course they're going to do well. If they don't do so well, oh, it's this is a new situation, of course we're going to get upsets.
3: There is nothing that you we would consider an upset well, th- in the current climate. I think there was
2: like there are still yes, relative upsets, but I don't know. Just nothing is going to be as surprising as it would have been in normal mm. circumstances. I think.
4: Mm.
3: Yeah. No. It's a good. It's a good point. I mean.
2: I mean, yes, yeah. yes, it, I will uh, be surprised if Bernarda Pera beats Serena Williams in round one, <laughs> but I wouldn't be as surprised as I would have been if the season had been carrying on as normal, for example.
3: That section of the draw in Lexington, Kentucky, is extraordinary and by section i mean you don't even have to go very far for it to be interesting the top four names are serena williams Bernarda Pera, uh, who's just pleased to be there or maybe unpleased to be in that section of the draw depending on depending on how you look at it uh, victoria azarenka and venus williams so the winner of azarenka and venus williams will face the winner of serena williams and Bernardo Pera.
4: i had to listen to the 20 minute press conference of Victoria Azarenka before we started this uh, this podcast and it was recorded before the draw came out um and she <laughs> sounded you know pretty jolly and you know optimistic and and I mean, a very interesting woman to listen to anyway I I think partly because I've always found her quite interesting but also she's got a a lot of experience behind her as a tennis player and also kind of life experience as well she's so many so much has happened to her the last two or three years with the the birth of her child and the difficulties she's had um with the custody of, of little leo um but talking about her process of coming back into the sport now with the pandemic as it's going on and the the various um practical considerations for whether she travels with him and all that sort of thing but so that was interesting to listen to, but then she she wasn't she was talking about tennis in general, and then this draw comes out, and it is sharp intake of breath time because imagine if you are her and you've got to beat Venus Williams, then Serena Williams in order to get just to the quarterfinals i mean what a what a first couple of matches um that is but you know this is what we've been missing as as people who just are glad to see tennis back
3: a tough draw now feels all the more brutal given the lengths you have to go to just to get to a tennis tournament. I mean, it's it was previously a bit rubbish if you go somewhere, get a tough draw, out in round one, you know, on the plane to the next place. But if you've had to quarantine or make sacrifices in terms of seeing friends, family, make compromises in your life, etc., etc., just to get to a place to be able to play tennis to get there and be you know dumped out in round 1 or to be handed a shocker of a draw feels all the more unjust somehow mm.
2: that point that david mentioned about it's like it's cool to see these names next to each other in a in a draw i think really hit home because tennis's return has not been this big celebration that we hoped it might be a few months ago with everyone coming back in one time it started in in sort of You know, there's been a sprinkling of WTA events. The men are starting in a couple of weeks. It's been a little patchy. And I think think it's slightly disappointing in a way when you look at other sports and the fact that, you know, football, cricket, golf, certainly the sports I'm most interested in, have kind of come back and things haven't resumed completely as normal because there's no fans and that kind of thing. But the star players are together. Yet, you know, also recognising the fact that tennis does have different challenges to those sports but to see those names next to each other on the draw just for the first time made me really really excited about tennis's return i've I've followed a little you know a little bit of palermo this week and it's been nice but kentucky feels like feels like the bang we've been kind of waiting for for a few months
3: yeah agreed and there's in terms of that sort of smattering and sprinkling of different differently positioned players in there a name that caught my eye when I was looking at the um the draw the list of top seeds huh, top seed the top seed open by bluegrass orthopedics um earlier was Amanda Anisimova she was one of the ones that we were speculating that this could be good for because she'd had that incredible breakthrough year last year then went through went through an awful time she lost her father she's had an injury she was despite her in- incredibly young age going through a really sort of bit of a a wilderness period where it felt like she was she was swimming against the tide a bit and losing ground on her on her young rivals so she's somebody i'm fascinated to to see play um so there are lots of different angles in that draw even you know just watching joe Conta play will be fascinating because she's she's the third seed there and yeah she was she wasn't impressive at the battle of the brits was she talking
4: about the logistics involved in just getting to tournaments etc she also did a press conference and she had made the decision to fly in with her coach uh, dan smethurst for this week and then she's got thomas hogstead joining the team for the first time for the new york tournaments and she said she'd flown to chicago driven to kentucky from there and i looked that up and it's 400 miles and six hours to do that. Um, and she's got a rental car, which she plans to keep with her throughout Lexington. And then she's going to go straight on in the same car to New York, which is 700 miles away in an 11-hour drive. She wants to minimize the amount of time she spends in airports and airplanes, which I, I completely understand. It makes a lot of sense. But that gives you a an idea of the i mean um, maybe there are listeners from australia or america that, that do those sort of road trips a lot more than certainly i am used to and i know a lot of players when they go from european country to european country don't necessarily fly everywhere there's a lot of driving from across mainland europe um but that's not something she would have been doing at any other time in her career. Maybe ever. Certainly not since she would have been starting out. And I feel like that's a—it's a, another big consideration, isn't it? Maybe maybe more players are going to be doing that.
3: Crikey. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, maybe some people in the States are listening, thinking that's nothing. But for Brits, th- those are massive drive. I mean, I don't think I've ever driven 700 miles. I don't think I've ever done a car journey of 700 miles.
4: No. That sounds no,
3: dreadful. I hope I, th- I hope she's with somebody that has the same music taste as her, the same uh, air conditioning policy as her, and the same frequency of pit stop policy as her. Yeah. Because if not, then that sounds like an anxiety dream.
4: The The, the onus is on you, Dan Smith. <laughs> I, I mean, you've got to come up with the goods.
3: I remember I did a road trip up to... Uh, to sheffield uh with a with one of my best friends to visit a, another friend of ours and i was driving she didn't have a driving license at the time and uh, at the start of the journey i said well you've got to keep me entertained if i'm driving on this way you've got to keep me entertained and she she in fact she only told me this 10 years later she said it's given her a complex for the past 10 years that she just crumbled under the pressure and she couldn't think of any conversation topics and we ended up listening to a an audio book of Matilda by Roll Doll, because she was unable to think of anything interesting to say. Um, do, so, did it spark <laughs>
4: further conversation, or because one thing I've noticed with things like that is, do you listen and then have offshoot chat, or do you just sit and listen? Because I've noticed that in certain company, if I'm watching a film or or TV. I am just wanting to basically watch what's going on and sometimes the other person wants to chat about it. Hence, I'm missing some of what's going on.
3: Okay, you can chat about it as long as you pause the content while you're chatting. These are all things that that Jo needs to discuss with her companions before (laughs) getting on the road, though, because yeah, these these are flashpoints.
2: Well, well, she's already done one road trip, so I'm presuming it went well, because otherwise she would have perhaps abandoned the road trip idea i
3: might be in, i might be interviewing her in the week so oh will, these will be my priority questions yes. tune in to prime video <laughs> to hear the answers um so that's joe conter who else have we heard from in terms of pre-tournament press conferences in kentucky will matt well, i think we've all listened to the serena press conference yeah. matt you joined it live
4: she was the first I one i think in, yeah yeah
3: I had a I had a brief moment where I thought my life had ended because I thought I had joined that press conference accidentally live in my bathroom. Um, <laughs> but it turned out it hadn't started yet. They'd sent the Zoom link through and I just idly clicked on it. Luckily, it was a Zoom link for the future. Um, yes. but <laughs> I can confirm there was about,
2: I was on that Zoom call and you in the bathroom did not appear to yeah, the world's media. There was
3: about a second and a half where I thought, all right, well, my life and my career is over now. Like, there's just, there's no coming back from this. I mean,
4: I should say, I, ju- I did actually want to mention uh, how well mm. I think the WTA have organized mm. their press conferences over Agreed. the last two days. Uh, these are virtual Zoom press conferences. And I mean, I've I've run a couple of them, um, but I, I was kind of making it up as I went along. I think I did a, a reasonable job. What they had done is clearly gone through a workshop of 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 how are we going to do this? Who's going to be in the room? Will they be muted or not? Um, will you know videos be on? And, and they'd got all the guidelines. People, I mean, people weren't necessarily coming on time because these are tennis players. I think Serena came about forty-five minutes early out of nowhere. But um, but,
3: but they're communicating that to the media yeah, really well. Um, yeah. The um, the channels of communication have been have been great. Um, they have,
4: and, and it was just. I mean, it was just really impressive and and it worked well. It gave us all access to to talk to these players and get these stories that we wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, So well done to them for a start. Um, But yeah, it was, um, I mean, that was, there was a good 40 people in that, virtual press conference with serena wasn't there and i mean apart from what she's put out herself on instagram and and various other social media channels that's the first i've heard of her in a kind of interview scenario with with people able like us to to ask her questions and um well she seems really up for it and ready i mean didn't she say she's planning to play everything including the french open
2: yep that's exactly what she said she said uh She intends to play it all if she can. Um, She made two really interesting points, I thought. The first was about the virus in general and her situation. She, She stressed that she has been really, really careful and even used the word neurotic to describe her attitude to keeping safety measures because obviously she's had pulmonary embolism and blood clots in the past and she said, I don't have full lung capacity and i'm not sure what would happen if i get the virus and i don't want to find out so she said she's been just staying at home social distancing very she's been early a
3: serena bubble
2: was the word she used i
3: think i'm i'm going to rename my bubble i i didn't realize i was allowed to to name it after myself but but now that i know that i, I think you might have to have 23 to slams or something hey i made the rules <laughs> um my bubble my rules <laughs> Yeah, it, it's up to you whether you join it, but, you know. Anyway, sorry, Well, P-
2: Patrick Moritoglu has joined it, taking how many flights from Europe? Four flights. About
3: 4,000 4, flights, yeah. it looked like. Um, I mean, it stressed me out so much looking at that itinerary that he he flew posted.
4: From, he flew from Nice to Paris, Paris, I think, to New York, New York to Detroit, and Detroit to Kentucky. Oof. Yeah.
3: Get, hand me the keys to the car. That sounds just sounds dreadful.
2: Yeah, I mean that's quite a that's quite a bad journey in normal times. Mm. Um and, and she's had this court built at her home, Serena, with the US open surface. Um and then the and then the second point she made that I thought was interesting is whether she thinks the fact that she's taken breaks in the past will benefit her with this break, particularly because everyone has had to take a break. Normally she's coming back to the tour and people are still max sharp and she's been debating in her mind whether she thinks actually this could be a situation where she might be at an advantage because she's used to having long breaks. She normally doesn't play between, well, certainly the last few years she hasn't played between the US Open and the start of the new season. Um, So I think it strikes me that she sees this as an opportunity and her time to finally get 24 and it starts with this tournament in Kentucky and if she can if she can build herself up there are going to be some players missing from the US Open field it's going to be slightly weaker and I don't know I think the fact that she committed so early to all these events despite her wariness regarding the virus is an indicator that Mm. you know she she, it's it's a cliche but she is there to win these events and she probably thinks she has a good chance of doing so as well
3: how could she not think this is her time i mean she has to if this isn't Mm. her time i'm not sure when her time is um and it's not definitely her time we don't we don't know we don't know what kind of shape she's been she says she hasn't been pumping iron she did a bicep kiss and told us that her her guns were were god given all given to her by her her mother's wonderful genes um there are a couple of slightly odd moments in the press conference i thought i mean i'm sympathetic with her she's a she's a star that transcends the sport and i'm sure she's conscious that anything she says on coronavirus is potentially quotable And that must be a very uncomfortable position to be in, especially when, you know, it's such a knotty issue covering so many different topics in which none of us are experts. Um, But she sort of, she talked about the the pandemic being a really great moment for tech and having a lot of investment in tech and, and that being really great, which was a sort of, Okay, that's nice. Let's all move on from that kind of moment. um and then there, there was also a moment where she she went on to say, I don't need to be here. I've got everything I could want, and I sort of thought, if you had ever it's actually kind of the opposite, isn't it? If you had everything you want, you wouldn't be in kentucky you you wouldn't as you said, Matt, you wouldn't be taking taking what is it's a managed risk, but it is a risk. Mm. Um, because she wants 24 and and why wouldn't she? This is an immense opportunity for her and I'm so glad she is in Kentucky because it's a fantastic story. Her being there makes it a fantastic and intriguing week.
2: Mm. It's a weird one for the city of Kentucky as well because this is the first time they're getting WTA tennis, you know, these renowned stars, which is only happening because of the pandemic. And yet, there are no fans able to go because of the pandemic. It, it's <laughs> kind of this strange situation. Um, but obviously, Serena being there just gives it such such star power, mm. and it'll be on Tennis Channel throughout the week, and we can we can watch you on Prime presenting it, Catherine.
3: The blue, the top seed Open by blue, Bluegrass Orthopedics. Yeah, rolls right off the tongue. Um, in terms of star power, I would say that Coco Goff's presence almost rivals Serena not quite but almost discuss
4: I would say not but I do feel that with every month that passes she she becomes a bigger star um and I mean uh, her her tennis alone is made us all sit up and take notice over the last year. And it's not just what she did at Wimbledon. Every, every stage, it feels like she's backed it up, but the way she has stood up as, as a, as a voice in the times that we are currently in has just been extraordinary anyway. And, and the way she spoke in her press conference today, um, was was mind-blowing to me um she she's just got she's just got such poise about pretty much any question anybody asks her and um she was asked a couple of times about um about her letting her voice be heard over the last um few months and and she was very forthcoming in in discussing it she said she'd been contacted by andrea petkovic um uh, because she was asked whether she felt like she'd influenced other players and and helped to, to educate other players about Black Lives Matter. Um, and uh, she said she was approached by Andrea Petkovic and, and, and has been so by many other players as well. And I was thinking, you know, this is a six... Th- I don't even know if she was 16 when when she was m- voicing her, her thoughts. And... um i just find it incredible really the way she's every stage that she's come across so far in her career and in the life at least that we are hearing about from her she just seems to be able to handle it and um and, and i i just can't i can't relate to that as a as some a, at an age of 16 hmm. i mean
2: half of her questions in the press conference today were not about tennis they were about issues of social justice and the way she talks with so much knowledge and um, she also made the point that she's doing more than just talking she is she's very aware that she's playing in Kentucky this week which is where the African-American woman Breonna Taylor was fatally shot back in March and none of the officers involved have faced any criminal charges and she said that she's been you know, signing petitions and emailing the police department and encouraging other people to do that, so that there is some justice for that. And it's it's impossible not to just be so, so, so impressed with Coco Golf, both obviously when she plays tennis, but I think even more so the way she, as you said, has has emerged as this as this voice. And she said, "I've I've done these things because I felt like." I should. I felt like I would be doing the wrong thing if I wasn't using my platform, and to have that perspective and that world awareness at sixteen will will never not blow me away. Really.
4: Plus, Mm. she also said that the the speech that she'd given back in June, the one that was so widely shared on on social media, I assumed that was done with with some preparation, and I think that was the general assumption because that's how it came across. It was it was so. Uh, well handled at the time and she says she she got approached two minutes before it and agreed and just spoke off the cuff and well uh, again blown away
3: it's not relatable for mortals like us is it (laughs) it's just
4: and and i mean look i don't don't know how how this relates ultimately in the long term to how one how, how she will handle her career on the court but I mean, she also talked about how she was just working on a game in, in the months that have have gone by. And that's another really interesting element to, to what players bounce out of this um, hiatus like, is who has worked on the game and actually made an adjustment and an improvement that, that you can actually see. And she was adamant that she is had worked on her aggression on the court and her her taking the ball early and moving forward and working on a second serve and and I just sort of thought well you know I am starting to get convinced that this young woman is going to be maybe even better than I thought
3: working on her second serve is a is a fearsome prospect because her second serve was already a barnstormer mm-hmm yeah. Um, and, and she she faces a qualifier in round one with the potential to meet Irina Sabalenka in round two. Sabalenka uh has got Madison Brengel in the first round. Also that section of the draw, round one clash between Ons Bur, who of course mm. was on a on the run of her career before lockdown, she's somebody that must feel has been hit pretty hard in tennis terms um must must feel some sense of of injustice um at at what's happened obviously everybody does but just purely in tennis terms uh, she takes on katie mcnally in the first round that is a match that I that I want to watch Katie McNally if you're thinking oh that's a name that rings a bit of a bell she impressed at the US Open last year I think won a round and uh, ended up facing Serena and taking a set off her and just really dazzling people she's she's almost a little bit of a throwback Mm. kind of tennis player but but with power as well she's she's really eye-catching and that will be an eye-catching match I think Um, and she's young as well katie mcnally very i think i think she was 17 last year's u.s open so doing some basic math probably 18 now (laughs) yes well done i
2: think it was um mcnally and goff's doubles partnership at the u.s open last Hmm. year Catherine, when and and, and i'm sorry to bring this up when you said that your age was higher than their combined age and you (laughs) and you found that to be irritating
3: (laughs) yes now hang on that won't always be the case is it because their combined age will increase at twice twice the rate that my age will so it's possible that that is already not the case which would be personally (laughs) great
4: Will they catch me at any point (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll do we'll do the maths on that david find out find out how you long to live how long you have to live um uh for, <laughs> for that to be the case
2: interesting you mention sabalenka i was interested to read a line on, on the wta website that she and Tersanov are no longer working together i mean that's been one of the more strange coaching arrangements anyway with its ups and downs but yeah apparently they have ha-
3: has there been an instagram post about taking someone to hospital disappointingly, no. no
2: disappointingly no right. it's just been buried on the wta website with just a single bullet point <laughs>
3: <laughs> their their previous split as a coaching partnership was one of one of my favorite social media incidents in in sporting history uh, just a stream of consciousness from Arena uh, Savalenko is like a really crap taylor swift song uh, with no melody. And and, and um, then she didn't delete it or edit it. She, nope, she just left it there. Nope. She thought, yep, that is an accurate representation of, <laughs> of my views and what happened. Deserves to stay on that very, very public platform. Um, and then they sort of got back together a week or so later, didn't they? But, um, I mean, there's obviously been a very turbulent relationship for reasons I... I'm not privy to and I know she has latterly struggled a bit but he you know on aggregate was an immensely positive influence on her and I and I she does strike me as somebody that needs a coach and needs needs a, a guiding voice in her in her ear um and I I wonder who that will end up being now for her well, who's who's on her, the
4: market her her career does veer, doesn't it? I mean, I know it's a, we've only got a couple of years' worth of evidence um, so far, but there have been some pretty dramatic shifts in momentum. And, uh, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see what sort of career she ends up having. I feel like with a lot of the players that are around at the moment, I feel quite confident about maybe a player's future and and as to what that will end up being. But Sabalenka's, she could be She could be a Grand Slam champion or she could get nowhere near um, in, in in the future.
0: How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment.
4: Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right.
3: The top seed in Prague this week, that's an event on clay, is Simona Halep. She did pre-tournament press didn't she? Um, nothing of major note other than her comments about whether or not she intends to play the US Open, which there's been a, a lot of speculation about over the last couple of weeks.
2: Yeah, she stressed that she hasn't yet made her decision on the US Open, but said that condi- you know the conditions are really tough for her. And personally, I would be surprised if she played the US Open. She's She's not talking like someone who has much intention of going there.
3: Anything else of note, Matt, from the uh, the Prague uh, press conferences this weekend? Uh,
2: the only other one I caught was Eugenie Bouchard, um, who spoke quite openly about how she's, you know, she's hoping this could in a way be a fresh start. She's incredibly aware of the fact that her career has... Nosedived in the last few years, with very, with very few actual sort of highs. You know, I mean, we have some people who whose career are just up and down, like Sabalenka, for example. But Bouchard, from that height she hit in twenty fourteen, you know, since then there's been occasional, occasional good results, but really a, a result rather than even a week or a or a string of results. Um, and she said that she's hopeful that possibly having five months to pause, reflect, could be a time for a fresh start. And her injury worries are beside her. I think she was injured at the start of the season. She had a wrist injury. She's put that beside her. That's better now. So she's had a chance to actually work on her body and her fitness and get herself in shape, which she hasn't been for for quite a while as well. So, you know, she's talking quite positively, but I don't know uh, this small event in Prague on the clay doesn't really seem like the sort of event that we would associate Bouchard with. She's she when she has had her good results, they've often been mm. in big tournaments, and she's kind of been and, a and she won't an occasion. Riser. She won't be
4: playing the U.S. Open. She's uh, she's not getting a wild card into the U.S. Open for obvious exactly. reasons, given that there was that <laughs> massive lawsuit that um, that she f- Fought and and uh, and won a huge settlement from after she fell in the locker room and hit her head um, at the U.S. Open some years ago, and and actually somebody somebody pointed out her as an example of of perhaps one of the reasons that uh, the U.S. Open has come out with such a um, a watertight sounding clause in in. What we've read today on social media, unofficially, I should add, but um, players have been sharing details of the the kind of thing that uh, players are needing to sign in order to go to the U.S. Open and play um, in terms of a waiver. Um,
3: yeah, uh, unofficial reports, uh, it, uh, as, uh, it, as you very rightly point out, David, this is not this is leaked and it is not, not by any means confirmed. But there are unofficial reports that the wording in the, the the waiver that players are required to sign to compete in the US Open includes the wording, I voluntarily assume full responsibility for any risks, including death, that may be sustained by me or by others who come into contact with me as a result of my presence in the facilities, whether caused by the negligence of the NTC or otherwise. That's the National Tennis Centre, the NTC. Um, so... Pretty much all litigation bases covered uh, there, and obviously, you know that's incredibly strong wording. It would make anyone think extremely carefully if they weren't already. I'm sure most most were, but would think very carefully um, about their decisions. But you know, it's a it's a nation of litigation, isn't it? The U.S. You can. It's no surprise, I suppose, that it's um, the wording in 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 a waiver is is bulletproof like that you mentioned the wild cards there was a fanfare about the announcement of wild cards for kim clijsters on the women's side and andy murray on the men's side uh, murray was the next direct entrant on the list so it was kind of a redundant announcement that he would be given a wild card because there were obviously going to be pull outs he only needed one to to get in, and he already has got in. So there is a there's a wild card up for grabs. David is what that means. Yeah,
4: I mean, so far we've had uh, withdrawals for Ash Barty, Alina Vesnina, Kiki Burton's, Germaine Feast, Stan Wawrinka. I'm wondering how far down you'd have to go before <laughs> I might be under consideration.
3: Well, further down than Matt Roberts, I'd say. <laughs>
4: hey, hold on! I've been getting better. Just. Maybe not US Open better. Um, actually, just just on another no- note about uh, you talking about Serena, whether this is the time, and if not now, when. Well, as you say, when, when you reel those names off, three of the world's top ten already not going to play, and Simona Halep, the world number two, in looking likely not to play. I mean, I know the view is, and it's a view I've always ha- held, that... Uh, maybe until the last year or so, that if Serena plays her best tennis, she wins. I'm not sure I believe that anymore completely, but certainly there are fewer players on paper there to trip her up.
3: Other wild cards just to whiz you through them, Brandon Nakashima, 19-year-old uh, American, CeCe Bellis, um, former World Junior number 1. She's had a horrible time, CeCe Bellis, with, with injuries. She's 21 now. Three hundred and four in the world. Ulysses Blanche, great name. Twenty-two years old. Never heard of her. Him, him. Never heard of him. <laughs> uh, he, yeah, he great like name he though, Ulysses. Be,
4: um, he sounds like he should be playing a part in the OC.
3: No, he sounds like he should be a a great philosopher. Um, e- either way, both both great both skate great, great careers. <laughs> um, and a tennis player. <laughs> <She's> like. <laughs> I'm um, just whizzing through to see if there's anybody else that people might have heard of. Maxime Cressy, that's another great name, uh, 23-year-old, Francesca Di Lorenzo, uh, American 23-year-old, uh, Sebastian Corder, and yes, there is a reason why you know that name, because he is the son of Peter Corder, the former Australian Open champion, and Caroline Dolhide, uh, we've heard of. Her, haven't we? She's been hmm. around. Yeah, okay.
4: We've, we've just had a result, Catherine, in Palermo. A few others as
3: well. Yeah, tennis, actual tennis. The new world number one is Fiona Ferro. <laughs> yeah, she
4: could be a threat to Serena
3: at the US she, Open. She, 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 be, she's she'd unbeaten.
4: Be the, she'd be more or less leading the race if there was a race <laughs> too anywhere.
3: She's a dominant force.
4: Yeah, Fiona Ferro has just beaten um, uh, Annette Kontaveit uh, 6 2 seven, five from a break down in the second set as well
3: so tell well us her. everything matt we need to know about tennis's new superstar well
2: she's playing without a clothing sponsor so we've talked about sponsoring a player before perhaps this is this is the player um
3: matt has got it matt's got a little twinkle in his eye when he talks about fiona ferro he thinks he's talent spotted here
2: well she's better than i thought she was <laughs> 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 have you heard that
4: before yeah. <laughs> Think career high ranking fifty two. I think
2: yes, and this is her second career title. She won in Lausanne last year. Um, she's coached by Emmanuel Plonk, who I who I know from oh yeah Luca Pui coaching from Luca Puy days. Yeah, and I think Lodra yes. and Santoro in the past as well. So you know, another great she, name. She is rising. Let's um, let's leave it at that. Perhaps, but actually, Théry rising. But actually she's. Mm. She's quite understated, and I think she's the sort of player who knows her limits and will be one of those kind of maximizers.
4: My word, the Palermo trophy is absolutely massive. It's It looks like the FA Cup in uh, in football. I mean, it's enormous silver trophy with huge handles and a, and a big lid. It's uh, inevitably going to come off.
3: On my screen, I've got a man giving a speech with a surgical mask uh, under his chin like a sort of uh, helmet strap yes which uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think is <laughs> officially the way that that's supposed to be worn um <laughs> we're like all learning about
4: uh Masketicus at the moment aren't like we? a
3: stirrup um yeah oh, sh- they've all had to put masks on for the ceremony oh it's awful isn't it there's no point in pretending it's not ghastly it's
4: also weird and we're, we're trying yeah. to we're trying to dine out on the fact that we're reviewing tennis and previewing it again but it's all so weird
3: yeah well i hate the the social the, the socially distanced formations that you get on a on a court where people look like you know they're about to do a flash mob mm. but actually they're just somberly standing there in masts looking lonely masks are
2: quite good if you lose the final though. You don't you don't have to bother with gracious loser
4: face.
3: You can cr- cry into your mask. Yeah. Tell you what though.
4: Well done Palermo for getting through this tournament and being the first main tour event back. They've managed to have 350 people in the stands each, or certainly in the latter couple of days. I mean, it was pretty quiet in the first few days. but uh, And some great matches. Camilla Georgie fighting back, um, two match points down against Diana Yastremska. I mean you have never seen aggression from two tennis players like that but i mean the the you know what they're like you and georgie both of them absolutely teeing off on everything even so even shots that you're supposed to defend off um <laughs> and uh, and it was great and georgie just hit the most wondrous backhand cross court winner on return when she was match point down and uh, and eventually came back and won, but yeah, I mean, it's look. Let's hope there's uh, not an outbreak in Palermo uh, that that or anybody else gets uh, test positive. There was just that one positive test, I think, right on the eve of the tournament. Um, but I haven't heard of any other since. So, you know, good for them that they've got through the event.
3: Yeah, here, here. H- help me out here, Matt. What is the deal now, in all seriousness, with rankings? What happens to Fiona Ferro? um she can gain points,
2: however players will not be losing points so it's it's quite difficult mm-hmm. to progress forward you you would have to sort of gain quite a lot uh because points are not dropping off for the people in front, which is as much a reason why people move up as the fact that they themselves gain points
3: right so she'll have to she'll have to win the u s open to really really gain her status as the world number one where she clearly belongs (laughs) possibly even Mm. more
4: and nadal Um, (laughs) Nadal won't lose his winner's points will he at the us open correct
3: so it's all all so weird isn't it um have we got anything else in terms of tennis live tennis before we bring you just a, a wee just a wee nugget of federer federer sort of news i don't want to overtrail it but it is an interesting little little nugget but have we got any other business from actual live tennis from this week or next or us open anything any other business folks
4: the, the only other thing that i read um that, uh, of of small interest to me something that i didn't know was something that serena williams said in her people magazine interview about how badly she's suffered with migraines over the years and she said that that had really amplified and multiplied during the period of, of lockdown when she, she, because of all the reasons Matt said about her kind of pre-existing conditions that she needed to really isolate herself and she had done so and, and she said she found the migraines had got a lot worse and she, I mean, she was also plugging a, a treatment that she says she'd been taking for it, and um, uh, and has, has made it all better in this interview. But um, you know, I, I'm lucky enough not to have suffered in, with migraines in my life. But uh, I think you have, Catherine, and I know my wife has, and I, d- I just don't know how tennis players would be able to to function really uh, with those in those conditions.
3: No, it's, it's completely debilitating. It's not. It's. i mean there's no question really of trying to force yourself to do anything and you've got a mi- migraine it's it's game over i'm i'm in bed until this this passes it's, and she was she yeah, was saying dreadful. actually
4: that it's it is one of those things that when you've got it it's very difficult to give that as a reason for why maybe you've mm. got to pull out of a tournament or something like that because you can't see a knee brace or something
3: no and some people just think oh it's a bad headache you know push on through it's i mean it is a bad headache but a bad headache can be utterly debilitating mm. um so yeah i hope i hope that i hope that improves for her um right i've trailed it so should we should we drop our little bit of a federer bomb uh he turned 39 years old this week he's not going to be playing any any tennis in the foreseeable future so we thought this was as good a time as any uh, to bring you this little nugget from an interview that David did with his childhood hero and former coach Stefan Ed- Edberg we have long speculated about the timing or not just us everybody has long speculated about the timing and manner of Federer's retirement when, when it comes and we hope it doesn't come for a while but you know he's 39 it's coming um and it was something david that you asked stefan edberg about because of course stefan edberg famously completed a farewell tour of of the world to to say goodbye um before his retirement and that is something we've speculated that federer might emulate um and this is what stefan edberg had to say We actually talked a little bit about it and I would not recommend it to anybody, actually, Uh, even if it's a nice thing to do, uh, because it does put too much pressure on yourself and there'll be too many things going on in your mind. Uh, So, um, you know, if you're going to announce it, I would do it, you know, just before, you know, my last tournaments or anything or have it in my mind, but not for any else to know it's it's just very tough to handle but at the same time it was a very memorable year but I would not recommend it I think that's a bit of a bit of a bombshell actually because I think that theory of federal retirement was one of the front runners of how he of how he might do it and I I think that effectively takes it off the table I think for somebody that Federer respects and is as similar to in a lot of ways as Stefan Edberg, I don't think he would listen to that advice and 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 go against it.
4: I think there are two things that really strike me about it. One is that they've actually talked about it. Mm. You know, that, that Roger Federer has seeked his advice because I don't think Stefan Edberg would be offering that up without being asked. Um, but has been, you know... Has given his view that um, that this is this is w- would be what I would do. I wouldn't do that because I've done it. Um, so that's interesting in itself. That I mean, it's not surprising to think that Federer's mind has already gone to that point whenever it comes. Um, but you're right. I mean, I I, I think we've had this debate uh, on the podcast in years gone by. I mean, probably ten years ago we had it for the first time. But I, I definitely feel. So I definitely thought that would be something that might might be something he'd like to do. You know, to say goodbye to all the areas of the uh, of the tour that he's enjoyed, and you know, he, he nobody embraces the life and and the the attention like Federer does. And I don't say that in a critical way. I just know how much he loves the sport. Um, but I take Stefan's point, and I do remember being around. Stefan Edberg, when he was going, going on that tour. The first time I ever met him was 1996, his final year um, at the Queen's tournament. He played the final against Boris Becker. And yeah, he was getting presented with a new decanter or trophy or something <laughs> every single time he went to a tournament. And he was getting lovely affection from from the crowds. But you could see how much it was taking out of him um, just emotionally to, to keep having to say goodbye all the time.
2: I really agree that he wouldn't have asked Stefan Edberg if he wasn't intending to consider what he had to say and Edberg's word to Federer is maybe not quite gospel but certainly something he's going to listen to and pay a lot of attention to. Do you think there's any chance that what you say there about Federer being the kind of guy who has dealt with the attention very well, it's possible that, okay, for him... The fanfare would be ramped up even more than it w- was for Stefan Edberg. But would he be able to deal with it better than Stefan Edberg just because of his personality? Or do you think that actually it would be overwhelming even for Federer?
4: I think that's very well put. That, w- that was the other point I was thinking about myself. They are very different people. Although Federer does revere Edberg and he was his idol, Edberg's shy. Um he doesn't really like the limelight particularly. He he kind of grew to learn how to deal with it in order to play his best tennis, but Federer loves it. I mean, he absolutely loves being the center of attention. Um and, and and I think he plays his best when everybody's looking at him. So he might be able to, you know, he it might even make him play better.
3: But who enjoys saying goodbye? Nobody.
4: If you know you've got to, uh, if you know yeah, the end is coming, yeah, but not
3: over. And it's like Groundhog Day, over and over and over again. But I mean, I'm him, obviously quite a different person to Roger Federer. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, the, but I, th- I can't imagine is, anything worse.
4: If if you were to think about any player that enjoys the travel, and enjoys the circuit, and enjoys the things that end up grinding tennis players down aside from injuries, he he doesn't seem to suffer from any of those things. I think if Roger Federer's body didn't age, I don't think he'd ever leave.
3: No, but I I, I just... I think what concerns me about it is the feeling that I I don't think he'll want to... I don't think he'll want the tournaments and the matches to have a sort of testimonial feel about them. If he's playing a tournament, he wants to win Mm. that tournament. And I think... If you're on a farewell tour and you know that someone's waiting backstage during all your matches with a cake or uh, some sort of plaque or, you know, something to honour your final time at that tournament, it takes on a different feel. It does take on a slightly exhibition-y, testimonial feel. And I'm I'm not sure that's desirable.
4: I don't think he'd do it unless he thought he could still be winning those tournaments. I just don't...
3: Ex- ex- that's my point
4: but I th- but my point is that I think if let's say if he did it next year I think he f- would still feel that he can win the tournaments and say goodbye
3: okay I would find the certain knowledge of a backstage cake very distracting in my quest to win a tennis match
2: I mean he's made it very clear he had no real interest in playing behind closed doors and mm. and this this break and the uncertain future of tennis events might be another thing which informs his decision to retire or how to retire mm. you know however he does it he's not going to want to go out in front of an empty stadium
3: gosh <laughs> that's an eerie thought isn't it
2: well yeah because there was that video of one of the most haunting sports videos I've ever seen of uh Tiger Woods being introduced at the PGA Championship this week, and and for some reason they still have an announcer, and they announce all the players onto the tee, and they said, "On the tee, Tiger Woods," and it's just a silence like that.
3: It was, it was too too dystopian for my taste. Mm. It was, yeah, haunting. And just at that moment, David's light is gone out and he looks like uh, he's featuring in a horror movie as well you know know, it
4: made me think uh, as I as I look at Fiona Ferro holding the enormous silver trophy in some little blue rubber gloves oh gosh It, which is also weird like um, uh,
3: Melania war for the inauguration
4: (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, the Tiger Woods reception at the start and announcement at the start of the tournament made me suddenly think of Serena Williams holding Grand Slam title number 24 inside an empty 23,000 seat stadium the US Open
3: Oh, it's all oh, a lovely thought God. isn't it? Yeah, yay tennis is back I ah, hope you've enjoyed that episode <laughs> Enjoy the Top Seed Open, uh, no the yes, the Top Seed Open by Bluegrass Orthopaedics what, they we,
4: should be sponsoring this
3: <laughs> yeah Fiona Farrow and Bluegrass in Orthopaedics need to um, you know hand us a brown envelope um <laughs> Okay, I uh, hope you've enjoyed. We've, we've, we're, we're getting back in the swing of ta- talking up, about Catherine. actual tennis.
4: <laughs> up. We're really not used to the live stuff, folks. We're just used to like watching old matches and reminiscing. Talking to someone else to, to, to do all the content.
3: Um, enjoy the tennis. We'll be back next week.
4: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.